Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing today? Good, good. I'm looking forward to my uh, daily hike today, even though it's mm-hmm. whatever, minus 500. But uh, I like to get out there. I, uh, I have a group of high school friends, and we go for a socially distanced walk once a week. Oh, yeah. And... Uh, it's good to get out there and it's good to see other people um, in the great out of doors. I was so relieved during the last lockdown when they said that this kind of thing was allowable. Mm-hmm. I was really worried because it just, it's, I, uh, I'm one of those people who need a little bit of at least once a week to see some other people. So. Yeah. Some social interactions. Nice once in a while, eh? I'm yeah. I remember. I mean, I, I saw the clerk at uh, Safeway the other day. Uh, through the glass for about two and a half minutes. And I think that's about it for my social interaction in the last uh, week. (laughs) Other than, you know, immediate family, of course, but uh, three other people living here and a variety of cats and dogs. (laughs) Yeah. And just for all the people who are worried, whether whether it's on the up and up, I mean, Hinshaw said specifically you're allowed to to go for walks uh, with people as long as you socially distance. And we make sure that we always do that and that we're safe doing it. So there you go. Um, Bruce, let's talk Oilers. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk, we're going to have a little bit of a season review here. Just, you know, first impressions on the Oilers season. Take a look at a few things. And, uh, but, but before we get into that, Let's talk about the Oilers' latest move, which uh, I'm not a huge fan of. I don't really understand it. The Oilers have waived Trey Grosnick, and um, it just feels like Groundhog Day in this this circumstance because they waived Anton Forsbury and they lost him on waivers to the Carolina Hurricanes. Yep. I think there's a decent chance that they'll loo- lose Troy Grosnick. Um, what this means is that Mike Smith is coming back and they'll have Smith and Koskinen who are, you know, those are two goal NHL goalies. I'm not complaining about that right now, but what if Smith gets hurt again? What if, what if Koskinen gets hurt again? And where the Oilers found themselves last time was they had to play Stuart Skinner who uh, won them the game. I think it was eight, five, but they were playing against a weak Ottawa team and Skinner was iffy and natty let in a few iffy goals. If we're completely honest. Good for him for winning his first game and and doing that. But here's the truth: like he was a marginal AHL goalie last year. He's not ready for the NHL. I don't think Ken Holland would argue that that he's ready. I hope he wouldn't. But, you know, if you believe in overripe players making the NHL, like geez, Stuart Skinner is not close to that. So essentially, if you lose Grosnick on waivers, he's your next bet if someone gets hurt. And I just don't. I just think there was other options. They could have waived James Neal. They could have waived Kyle Turris. They could have waived Chason, who's already been waived, could have gone to the... And all you do then is on your active roster, you just have exactly how many forwards as you need for that game that night. And you keep Troy Grosnick there um, on your active NHL 23-man roster uh, for the rest of the year, essentially. And it's the only way to be safe, I think, right now with with the goalie situation. And I don't know, Bruce. So what's your take? I didn't like it. Yeah, well, musical goalies, here we go again. You know, it's, uh, it's uh, I mean, think of the poor bugger that uh, 
that made the trip from Los Angeles to Edmonton by car, had to uh, uh, wait in some motel at the Montana-Alberta border uh, while the Oilers tried to come up with some, put in a claim on some other goalie that they didn't get. Um, while uh, uh, Aaron Dell, that was, uh, they... Uh, uh, then he comes in and, you know, he does a good soldier thing. He, he, they activate him when they have to activate him. He sits on the bench as a backup. Then they put him as a third goalie and bring in Stuart Skinner to actually play a game. And then Grosnick comes and he backs up again. And then now here he is on waivers. And, you know, it's like three weeks of his life gone. And all he's been doing is quarantining, driving, uh, sitting in, uh, in, a, in a hotel uh, in... Uh, whatever, uh, you know, entry point Montana. And, and uh, uh, now there's, a, I would say, uh, uh, much greater than 50% likelihood that he will be reclaimed by the Los Angeles Kings, uh, the team that waived him in the first place, but obviously wanted him for their taxi squad. They have some 21-year-old kid uh, currently filling in on their taxi squad, and they're going to see that guy, and they're going to say, well, we know him, and he's a guy that we brought in to do this job, and it's it's just going to be the... Same old goalie carousel that we've been seeing all year with uh, these goalies going hither and yon for, uh, uh, you know, for the pleasure of, you know, international travel and and sitting in hotel rooms for weeks on end. And I feel for those backup goalies. I really do. You know, not even backups, the number threes. They've, they've, uh, there's been a lot of pillar to post going on. One of the guys that got claimed, I actually saw Eric Comrie play a game last weekend, so it is possible that they actually come out of it and and, and, and get an NHL shot. Uh, but it's, and that only happened because New Jersey's number one goalie was on for uh, uh, COVID restrictions, so they had back-to-back, so they used their number two and three, and, and Eric Comrie was one of them. So, it, it can work out, but for the most part, it's a lot of uh, a, a lot of buggering around for not a lot of payoff and for not a lot of coverage. You know, you have these teams, and we've seen it firsthand with the Oilers, the lack of coverage of uh, uh, at the goalie position. And the whole point of the league having this mandated, you must have a third goalie available on your taxi squad, um, was to cover off for situations, and yet the NHL did not cover their own backsides and come up with some kind of way to... To allow teams to keep the back, keep their number three without all this, you know, old old style waiver rules with new style taxi squad, and that just nobody thought it through, obviously. So we're getting a little pushback. I am on, online, Bruce, because I've already posted on this. And uh, mm-hmm. so Kerry Kettle, who's a pretty, who's a really mm-hmm. smart guy, mm-hmm. uh, says uh, at this point, given the need to quarantine, I'm guessing unlikely any U.S. teams any U.S. team picks him up. I'm betting on the Kings, but let's see. Yeah, I'm not sure what the, when you go to the States, what the quarantine rule is there. Didn't Liney, wasn't he able to get into their game fairly quickly? Yeah, yeah, it's less than it is here for sure. Yeah, so I'm not sure about that. And then original Pozar, Calgary lawyer, very smart Mm -hmm. guy again. He says he'll, he'll probably clear. They kept three goalies on active roster. They couldn't keep Bouchard on roster and have 12 forwards without waving a D-man like Lagasin or Cuckoo. Mm-hmm. It was either Grosnick, not play Bush, or wave Lagasin, Jones, Cuckoo. Only 11 forwards, not sustainable. 
So this is where I, I think you, you just, um, they have to make a decision, I guess, Bruce, they have to make it. Is it more important to have that third goalie or to keep, um, I just think if you go with the exact number of forwards, you're going to have 11 mm -hmm. forwards, 12 forwards, and you, every other forwards waived. So that means tourists, Neil and chase on knee guard, lots of guys. And none of them are going to get picked up. I don't think. Now it's true. If you're going to have Bouchard on the roster, plus um, not waived Lagasin or Cuckoo, and and also you want twelve forwards, you have a problem. Yeah. So at this point, Bruce, I would waive one of. You have to make a decision on Slater Cuckoo or William Lagasin. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think the, that decision is upon you actually yet. I think you could have just put James Neal or Turris or Chase on whoever, like whoever isn't playing, go with mm -hmm. 11 forwards again and, and put one of those guys on waivers. That's the move they could have made in the short term here. And in the long term, I think you have to make a decision. And I think it's more important to have that third goalie than it probably is to have one of Lagasin or Cuckoo. And you have to make up your mind on who you want at this point. And personally, I would keep not sure. A choice. That's. That, that's I don't think problem. that's the decision you had to make right mm -hmm. now. No, I agree. The decision you make make next week or two weeks from mm -hmm. now, like when, or put send Bouchard back down to the taxi squad. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe maybe he has a couple rough games. So I'm. What do you think? Well, I think they they've got three extra players right now beyond the twenty that they can dress. Yeah. And so far, uh, what Holland has done. And I actually think he's done a pretty crafty job with the forwards, that he's paired it right down to uh, only 12 active forwards. And he has freedom to move a whole bunch of guys to the taxi squad because they've all cleared waivers already. And they're, you know, they're well within still the 30 days. Oh, uh, well, that's coming. Uh, that he can have 12 active forwards. And at the moment, all three of the extra players are defensemen. And uh, with Mike Smith coming back onto the active roster, uh, the, the choice was to keep Grosnick and either place uh, Bouchard um, uh, and the taxi squad or to go with uh, seven defensemen again in Calgary and run with 11 forwards and only have 11 forwards on the active roster and put, yeah, Chase, on, put Chase on back on the taxi squad. And then you'd have a situation where you'd have six forwards on the taxi squad, all of whom have cleared cleared waivers. I mean, that's how you get to the taxi squad, of course. But I mean, six six guys who've played in the NHL this year uh, on the taxi squad at, at forward and go with eleven seven two like they did last game. But I don't know how long a term that is. But I'm with you in that. I'm surprised that they've done that now. Like they could have uh, they could have waited a couple days and and just gone with the shuffle. Well, tonight we're going to use Bouchard, so we're going to just stick with seven forwards or sorry, 11 forwards, or tonight we're not going to use Bouchard, so we're just going to put them on the ta taxi squad for one game. Uh, it does limit their choices. I mean, it doesn't. they can't go with six defensemen with Bouchard being one of them. I mean, that's one, one uh, choice they don't have. Uh, but so they've only got 11 forwards that, that, that are on the roster that would have to clear waivers. In fact, 10, because technically <laughs> Kyler Yamamoto doesn't have to clear waivers, but they're not sending him out anytime soon. But uh, they've got um, uh, a situation where 
I guess they think a uh, Mike Smith is healthy enough to play, and, and uh, uh, either they're not impressed with Grosnick, or they think there'll be another goalie in the pipeline, or they like what they saw of Stuart Skinner, or who the hell knows? I mean, it's uh, it's a risk, but all right. Um, let's talk about. Let's go to the team now, Bruce. Mm-hmm. And. Um, We've, it's it's complicated to talk about this because there's so many moving pieces and mo- yep. moving parts. It but is. Uh, th- essentially, it comes down to: Do you want that extra depth on defense, or do you want to cover yourself in net? Mm-hmm. And my point is: When you play the goalie, he's not your third string goalie when he's in net. Oh, it's not right. like when you play when you play Lagosin or Cuckoo; they're your third string defensemen, and you can hide them. You can play them eight minutes a game. Your goalie, second he's on the ice. He's your first line, Connor McDavid, you know, top yep. line, top pairing D-man goalie. He's the most important player on the ice. And I never want to have a situation again where that's Stuart Skinner. I think that's a mistake when they, when you're putting yourself in that position. And so for that reason, I would do everything I can at this point to have that. Your next best, your third string goalie, it's got to be on your active roster and protected. And that's what I, that should be the priority in my, my view. So s- simplify it. So Bruce, the Oilers this year, we do grade A scoring chance project. And um, here's the good news. The, the In the wide open Canadian division where there's lots of offense, the Oilers are creating more chances, grade A chances, than they did last year. Last year, they created um, 11.2 grade A chances to ga- per game. This year, they're creating 13.1 grade A chances per game. That's a lot of grade A chances. That should translate to about four goals a game. I don't know if they're averaging that. They're not, are they? They're not. They're not that high. Um, uh, no, they're, they're but they're three and a half, close to three and a half for and against. Okay, so uh, they're giving up more chances though as well. Last year they gave up ten point five grade A chances per game. This year they're giving up um, ten point nine grade A chances per game. But they're they're on average they're out chancing teams, and um, you know I, I I think that their record is six and six. They could easily be. Seven and five, I think, um, if they'd got a little bit better goaltending and or puck luck and or puck luck in a few games, but at least they're six and six. So, um, not bad, Bruce. Not not. I don't. I, I don't think this is a team that is worse than its record. It's probably a team that's a little bit better and is trending up. So, we'll see what happens. I'm cautiously or uh, I'm I'm optimistic about the team. What about you? Yeah, this well, certainly this last week has, uh, uh, these last few days have, have uh, turned favors in, uh, you know, their 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 uh, situation in the right direction. Uh, I'm currently viewing the diving glove save that uh, Mikko Koskinen made off of Mitch Marner in the third period Saturday's game against Toronto as the turning point of the season. At least of the Oilers' fortunes in the short term, where Marner scores there on the power play uh, uh, with the clock ticking down in the third, and Toronto wins in regulation. The Oilers are really in the soup at three and seven at that point, and instead they hung on and got you know got the extra point, and then they got the second point in overtime in that particular game. That's the only overtime game they've played all year. Uh, and then of course the two wins against Ottawa, which were taking care of business. Um, but I liked what happened in those games in terms of uh, uh, Willie Lagason got a couple of games. Evan Bouchard got a game, looked really good. Uh, they were able to give Mikko Koskinen a rest and get Stuart Skinner, you know, 
something to build on. Like I, for Stuart Skinner, when you say you never want to see him again, well, I don't want to see him again this season, probably. Some future point, well, maybe yeah, he's their goalie, it's, right? Yeah. And, and so getting that one game under his belt is, you know, that that's that's important for for that player. And so they've they've uh, uh, those games were valuable to the Oilers, even though neither of the Ottawa wins was a masterpiece of the hockey game. But uh, uh, they got the four points, and they got those, you know, they got the rest for the goalie and 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 all those. Uh, chances for other players on the roster uh so i'm a lot more sort of buoyant about the team situation today than i was a little while ago you might recall how depressed i was after the loss against toronto in game number nine jeez what's going on here but uh yeah bruce i've always been more a little bit more buoyant even during that downtime because i have I think, I think that's fair to say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, um, I just, they have been getting the chances. They've been consistent, like in in the, against the Leafs, they outchance the Leafs in almost every game. I think every game. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, Toronto's got the best record. The Oilers are as good a team as the Toronto Maple Leafs right now. I, I convinced. And they're, they're very similar teams. They match up well. Um, so we'll we'll see what happens. The Oilers don't match up well against um, the Montreal Canadiens. Um, they match up well against every other team that we've seen. Uh, at least okay, Winnipeg's a good team. We'll see yeah. w- with Calgary. So that's this is the last unknown. But I I think the Oilers um, are are looking okay. And and thanks for the clarification on Skinner. I don't. I mean, of course, I want right. to see him in the Oilers no, no, or come in years to come. But I don't want to see him again this year. He's not. He's not ripe. He's not close to ripe, uh, to use that he should be well number four. expression. He should be number four. And um, that could easily have been a pretty bad experience. And and I'm not blaming it on Skinner. I'm blaming it on Ken Holland. And um, uh, we'll see what happens. Maybe 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 we're wrong and other people are right that he will clear and, and waivers. And then the owners will be out of this situation for at least a month. So Bruce, um, let's go position. Let's oh, let's just talk special teams for a second. So, mm-hmm. and we'll just. I'm just going to give the rough generalities. Last year, the Oilers had the um, second best penalty kill. This year, they're the 25th best. They've dropped considerably. <laughs> Last year, they had the best power play. Now they're eighth, but their their uh, clearance percentage, like their success rate, is very similar. They were 29.5 percent on the power play in terms of scoring last year, and this year they're 27.3. They're getting more grade A chances on the power play this year. So I think their power plays come around there about where they were at last year. And if they can maintain that, uh, and I think that they, they probably can, given the talent on the power play. I'm not, so I'm not worried about the power play, but the penalty kill, Bruce. Man, they, they have missed, uh, I made this point last podcast, they have missed Riley Shane a lot uh, on the PK. So they tried to replace Riley Shane with Kyle Turris, thinking that Shane was part of them leaking goals against uh, at even strength last year. And I think that's a fair comment. Riley Shane was a mediocre, if that player at even strength last year, nothing to write home about. But unfortunately, the experiment so far um, isn't working out. Kyle Turris has been a significantly weaker player, um, both at even strength, which is saying a lot, and on the penalty kill than Riley Shane was. Riley Shane was just a better hockey player and far more far more solid defensively. Kyle Torres, again, repeatedly having problems in the defensive slot. 
to the extent where he was been all but moved off the penalty kill. And Gaetan Haas took his spot as third line center last game. And we'll see what, what happens going forward. So, you know, people make the point it's early. You know, Brian Burke was saying it's early to judge uh, on Oilers. Now he was saying it's early to judge these players and and say the sky's falling in. And so that's a fair comment. You know, maybe Kyle Torres will, will turn it on. But at this point, it's fair to say that 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 hasn't come close to happening, Bruce. And I And if I'm completely honest, I don't think it's... I don't see him becoming a third line center. I see him maybe being able to help out on the fourth line. What's your thought? Yeah, well, so it's certainly been an unremarkable start for Kyle Turris, at least in any kind of positive way. He's got three points in 12 games. Uh, he doesn't ha- yet have a single plus game on the season. Uh, his ice time, I'll just give the minutes of his ice time, 13, 14, 16, 16, 14, 13, 13, 14, 14, 9, 13, 8. And clearly he's uh, he's uh, running out of rope with head coach uh, Dave Tippett that twice in the last three games he's played fewer than 10 minutes. And last game with only 11 forwards, uh, he was assigned to the fourth line. And, of course, with one other line mate, sort of sporadic, in and out of the lineup. He's basically been fired from the penalty kill, which uh, Tippett had expressed hopes that uh, based on some experience, uh, short experience at the World Championships years ago, that uh, Tippett might be, or that uh, tourists might be uh, solid on the penalty kill. Well, we haven't seen that. And in fact, we haven't really seen much solidity from him in the defensive zone, period. Like he's not a not a strong defensive player, to my view. It's just too many ten bell chances happening from the slot on his watch. So yeah, if we and if we expand this out to the center, the entire center position, I think the Oilers are getting. Uh, I think Connor McDavid um, is playing some of his best hockey at even strength that we've ever seen. He is driving the attack on even strength consistently, and his defense has been, I'd say, improved from last year. There's been a few mistakes, a few slip-ups. But uh, overall, I think he's. this is the best two-way game we've ever seen Connor McDavid play. And uh, Leon Dreisaitl is, um, he's, 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 I'm not in love with his defensive play yet, even though he hasn't been, they haven't been scored on much when he's on the ice. And he's not at fault on a lot of goals against. But he, there has been a lot, a number of major slip-ups where the other team hasn't capitalized. But I think overall, uh, I mean, and his offensive play has been strong at even strength. Mm-hmm. And um, and I'm just comparing him actually to Connor McDavid here, not to normal human beings. Right. So by any by NHL standards, he's he's a top line center and is and is and is so the Oilers have these two these two really strong I think that this experiment of having them both lead their own lines continues to work. And they are both getting their job done. And I expect Drysaddle's defensive performance, which which is the only little bit of a minor quibble because he haven't been scored on, so you can't make too much out of it. Uh, I think that'll come around, and and uh, it's already coming around. But the it's a funny thing. It's like from riches to rags in terms of the, the center position. The good news, Haas has stepped in, Bruce, and I think he's a solid a solid fourth line or third line center. And I think Devin Shore um, might be the fourth line guy, or they're just going to go with eleven forwards for a while, which I'm completely content with too. Um, I don't have a problem with that. So, 
Terra and Turris, to me, have played themselves out of the lineup with Haas and Shore playing themselves into the lineup. That's what I would that's what I would do. That's what I've seen to date. And uh, I can see going back to Turris. I'd like to see Turris get through one game without giving up being the major culprit on a, on a slot chance in the Oilers zone. If he can just t- take that step first as a player, um, that'll be progress. And then we'll see what happens after that with him. Gaetan Haas, I want to mean, this is a, a very encouraging development. He's played those last two games. That was another thing that uh, good thing that happened in that Ottawa series. Now <clears throat> we have to temper that with saying both of his games have been against Ottawa, as yes. opposed to being against the good teams that the Oilers played earlier in the season. But in two games, Haas played nearly ten minutes on the penalty kill, and allow the Oilers allowed zero goals. His shots against rate are like half of any other player on the uh, on the Oilers penalty kill unit. <clears throat> Just vastly superior to, I mean, uh, Kyle Turris, who's given up um, uh, over 12 goals per 60 minutes that he's been on the ice in the penalty kill. Uh, you know, he, small numbers, of course, 24 minutes ice time is not uh, doesn't tell you a huge amount, but by eye. He wasn't uh, that good at it. And uh, Haas, is, I, I, I love his skating, and uh, I think particularly on the penalty kill, like clearing the zone, winning battles, getting in on the forecheck. Uh, and we've always liked his positional game on the defensive side. And this year, last year we didn't see him much on the PK, and this year they're going to be forced to use him just by lack of, of alternatives. But since... He's been in there. To me, he looks like a guy that's just going to stay in the regular lineup and play every game. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> I hope so because sure, he's, sure need help he's down there. certainly earned it so far. So, so for him to to succeed, he's got to you know like he's got to score a little bit and not give up much in the defensive end. But that's what he did last year. He mm-hmm. was uh, he was more he was a better defensive player than Shan at even strength, and um, so. Yeah, I've got. I think the orders have three centers here, which is w- when two of them are McDavid and Drysaddle, and I don't think Haas is a bad third center. So I'm not. The position is is close to being covered, spectacularly covered, but uh, they just got to get Haas has to be consistent, and they got to get one more guy going, and that I think that could be uh, Devin Shore, who I've liked his speed, I've liked his hustle. He's probably a winger more than he is a center, but if he can focus on. Def- playing center in the defensive zone, maybe you can get it done. All right, Bruce, wingers. What would you say about the Oilers' wingers? What What do you like and what do you don't like so far? Well, same old, same old. You know, uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, a converted center, is uh, is their most polished all around winger, and. Then it's the cast of thousands, although Kyler Yamamoto certainly has emerged as being, a, you know, a top four forward on this team with the three centers and, and uh, himself. Uh, and Yamamoto, uh, lots of encouraging developments there, including his own work. You know, he's being deployed on the penalty kill, and he plays such a strong defensive game that um, uh, I think that's a, that's a good spot for him. Uh, he's fearless, man. He likes to get in the shooting lanes, which is a problem that we've seen with Oilers forwards in the past. And he's got um, um, he's got things going on for uh, uh, on the offense. Obviously, he and Drysaddle combine very, very well together. And that duo, I think, we can expect to see going forward for 
indeterminate future. So that's good. Um, I've liked what I've seen out of Dominic Cahoon. It took him a long while to get going on uh, uh, on the uh, offensive event, scoring points. Uh, but I like his game. Like I, I see him as a very good complementary forward. He keeps showing up in good sp- places, and he keeps showing up at good times in those places. And he doesn't give up a lot defensively. So I see him on the you know on the sort of the Thomas Tatar style of forward that. Uh, That'd be uh, good. It's not, you know, not a dominant player, but a very good support player with a dominant player. And obviously playing with Drysaddle, he's got that. And, of course, he has the, the inside baseball knowledge of Drysaddle's game and, you know, what makes him tick. So I think that that, um, that signing is very promising. He's a little slower than I thought he might be. Like, he's not fast. I thought he might be, um, but he's very clever. He's very he's, clever. He's sound. He's like... He's got to, to, Tobias Reader's defensive play because he's as sound defensively as Reader, but he's got a lot more pop on the attack because he's far more clever and good with the puck and combined well with other players. And, you know, he was always getting grade A scoring chance shots, even when he wasn't scoring early on. He was getting some chances, consistently getting maybe one a game. And then finally he scored some goals. So let's hope that continues. Bruce, I think that, like, um, I, I really like what I've seen in the forwards. Um, mm-hmm. Pugliarvi has been inconsistent. Right. But he's had enough really good games to give me hope that yeah, this is this experiment is 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 working out, and uh, he just needs to put together a run of good games in a row. So Yamamoto um, has been strong. Nugent Hopkins has been strong. Nugent Hopkins has not been getting the points at even strength yet. That um, the but he is getting the scoring chances. He is um, uh, creating a lot with McDavid, so that will come. You know, he, he should start to convert. He's missed the net uh, a little bit more than I would like to see with some great chances. So, yeah, Pugliarvi, I'm just looking at my my notes here, uh, scoring chance notes. Pugliarvi, Nugent Hopkins, Yamamoto, Cahoon, and even Chase on Cassian, Cassian and Neil have been, I think, okay at even strength. I, I, I'm not loving Cassian's game um, because it's, he's he's often kind of inattentive with the puck in his own zone. But I, I, then they have Negard and Archibald. They've got a lot of depth at forward on the wing, um, and they've got um, some, and they've got Ennis in there as well. Ennis struggled early in the year. He's been the one guy I think who struggled the most this year. But overall, they've got good depth, and they've got some, they've got enough top six forwards, and they've got a, they've got some grinders and checkers. So I, I don't have any. They finally have got together a, at least a, an okay group of wingers with some fairly high top-end talent with Nugent Hopkins, Yamamoto, and then maybe Cahoon and Pugliarvi. So, overall, good position. Yeah, Pugliarvi, I neglected to mention him uh, earlier, but um, uh, his quick emergence into the top six is, I'm not sure if it's emergence or emergency, that uh, Cassian wasn't clicking at all really early on in the season, and and, uh, not sure if it was more Cassian getting demoted or Pugliarvi getting promoted, uh, but there certainly are signs of him clicking uh, with McDavid and, and Nugent Hopkins in, in uh, recent games. He had you know, a very good game, of course, against Ottawa with two goals that finally <clears throat> get on the score sheet himself in the goals department uh, last game. And he's had, by my eye, three great games, and the rest have been kind of 
slop, you know, some, some okay, some pretty mediocre, you know, but, uh, uh, on his good nights, he's, uh, he's a pleasure to watch and it's just a matter of him, uh, winding it up to get, have more of those good nights. And, uh, he's, he's a player. I think confidence is a big thing with that guy. Yeah. And when he, when he's got it, man, he's a, he can, he's a demon out there. He can be all over the puck and, and, uh, uh, you know, he's got a whole lot of game and it's uh, just a matter of teasing it more and more of it out of him. And, and I would say uh, so far this season, um, you know, he's been outscored when he's been on the ice and you never like that. But I think there are lots of promising signs there. And, and uh, uh, Ken Holland's patience with that player and with that uh, whole, tra- you know, non-transaction of never trading the guy and, eventually convincing him to come back uh, may pay some serious dividends. Tippett mentioned that it, after last game, like they keep scoring chance stats just like we do. And uh, he mentioned that, that it was good to see Pulley RV score because he's someone who had been around the scoring chances a lot, you know, creating his own and creating for other people, but hadn't had a lot of uh, scoring points. And that's what we saw. We've seen tubers. I mean, his, his, he's, yeah. His um, chipping in on Grady scoring chances is right up there with um, Nugent Hopkins and Yamamoto. He's at the uh, he's actually at a higher level in per, in terms of making uh, major contributions to Grady chances at even strength in terms of the rate. So he he has and finally he got rewarded. So that was good to see and um, more of the same. Defense, Bruce. Um, I also like what I'm seeing on defense. I think. There's been some rough games uh, from some of the players. Uh, Nurse and Bear started out really rough in their first games. Larson had some high-profile mistakes and and continues to have a few of them now and then. Although I note <laughs> last game was a really funny case in point. Um, the last goal uh, scored where there was a, a break up the ice. And Larson, what you see if you just watch the video highlight is you see Adam Larson chasing furiously to catch the Ottawa attacker. I think it was Stutzley, if I'm not mistaken, as he mm-hmm. goes in and scores. And 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 on online, right. I saw some people saying, "Oh, there he is again, Larson, too slow oh. to the play." And this just shows, like, watch you, you got to watch. Go back from the goal. Just don't go back three seconds to judge the play. Go back. 10, 15 seconds, and if you if there is an angle, try to watch the whole ice, because what you'll see in that moment is Evan Bouchard and and I think it was Chris Russell getting laid off the ice, and Adam Larson trying to charge desperately to catch up from, from a player who's already breaking in on a breakaway. It's not Adam Larson's fault at all, that play. There's no one in the NHL who would have caught that, would have caught that guy coming off the bench. Like, I don't think there is. And Maybe the fastest D-man in the NHL. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Would he have caught him? I don't. It was, it was a pretty good head start. So that was a rookie mistake by Bouchard, yep. changing off as Ottawa was rushing off the ice because he felt probably responsible to chase to get off the ice because that's what a good player does. You know, it was just a mis- mental error by Evan Bouchard. It wasn't on Adam Larson at all. Anyway, uh, I, I digress <laughs> there. But I think Bruce, I would just say that their defense overall is strong, really strong. They've got great depth. Not really strong. It's strong. I, 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 and Tyson Berry's come around too at even strength. He's playing better. Ethan Bear was playing better. So it's rounded into at least an okay group. So I've kind of gone from really strong to an okay group, but I'll, I'll stay with okay group. 
They've certainly got the depth. I mean, the question is, do they have four top four style defenders? And they've, they've certainly got a lot of third pairing caliber guys. Yes. Uh, you know, Caleb Jones has been hit and miss in the early season. He's had, he's had a couple of really good games and he's had uh, he's made a few mistakes and he's uh, uh, gotten in the coach's doghouse a little bit, I think, with his, uh, uh, you know, bad pinches are one thing. Like you expect him to step up and, and go for pucks and every once in a while, especially as a young player, you're going to you're going to get caught out on that. Uh, not getting in the shooting lane and getting beat for uh, uh, power play goals twice in three games. The first one probably got the coach's eye in a bad way. The second one earned him a seat in the press box. I'm pretty convinced it was that one play that uh, that that uh, probably uh, had something to do with the change in game 12. Uh, at the top of the roster, I mean, Darnell Nurse, he's still uh, a flashpoint of, of people that... that like the guy and people just flat out don't seem to like the guy they just whatever he does is well he's on the ice with mcdavid of course he's got good stats well he does have good stats you know he's fourth on the team in scoring 12 12 games three goals six assists nine points 12 penalty minutes plus six he hasn't he's averaged 24 minutes and seven seconds a game most on the team uh he hasn't played a game all year under 21 minutes like they're relying on this guy every single night to carry a heavy workload against uh, tough competition. Against tough competition, he's on the uh, he's on the PK, which I mean, you you could you could question how the PK is done. He filled in briefly on the power play while Tyson Berry was getting his stuff together, and and he pumped in a uh, I think three assists on the power play in a fairly brief amount of time on the unit, and uh, uh, he's I mean at least by statistical measures covering the bet. As a, clearly, Oilers number one defenseman, and this year he's being paid as the number one. But that's the first time that that's happened. He's, you know, he's been down the list up until now, and he stepped up in the absence of uh, Adam of uh, Oscar Kleffbaum. Uh, I don't think there's any question, but he's the number one D man, and he's uh, he's covered his part of the of the bargain. I'm not sure you'd say is he in the top 15 number one defenseman in the league. Well, probably not. But it's not like he's a third pairing guy that they're forced to use on the first pairing that like that's not even remotely close to like, like uh, mark fain was um and that's what they did they had mark a third pairing guy mark fain on their top pairing and that's when you have your, your terrible team darnell nurse bruce um i think is playing better than last year and last mm-hmm. year he was pretty good last year he was a decent top four uh defenseman in the nhl a solid top four D-man in the NHL. Now he's a solid top pairing defenseman in the NHL. And what I noticed in his game is a couple things. Um, he's more confident with the puck. He tr- He's tracking back with the puck and um, he'll puck protect when he gets it. The other four, and he'll be then really confident on that move, on that next pass. He, like he'll make a quick cut and make a pass. And um, that pass is far more often in the pa- than in the past is connecting with an Oilers player. So I like that confidence in the neutral zone when he's tracking back for the defense zone, tracking back in that first pass that he's making is better than he's done in the past. Um, I would say in the defensive zone, he's also, other than the, uh, there was the, that, that handful of first game, first few games when he was pretty mediocre and was iffy, sketchy defensively, offensively, he just wasn't getting it done. But he seems to be doing a better job making decisions and especially covering the defensive slot 
not leaving that open. He had a tendency to wander and to overcommit. And I think he's cutting down on that kind of mistake. He's playing the veteran D-man's game, which is essentially to the Chris Russell defensive game, which is giving up a little on the outside, uh, being a little less aggressive on the outside, but making sure you do not allow those grade A chances on the inside. And I'm especially in recent games, I'm seeing that kind of smart defensive game from from Darnell Nurse. Uh, I would say Chris Russell is the least impressive to me of the Oilers defensemen right now. He when he's coming to the lineup, he does he continues to add. Um, he's a very he's a strong, very strong defensive player in the NHL, uh, and he and he still is that Bruce. I, I, he's very good at shutting down the opponents in in the slot, but his. I just think when the owners have Lagas and Larson and Russell in the lineup all at the same time, that they're missing um, dynamic puck moving as a group. And they, I don't mind two of those guys being in on the roster at the same time, either Russell or Lagasin, for instance, but all three of those guys, um, they, they're all mediocre puck movers at the NHL level. Larson can sometimes enliven and have a, have some good moments, but um I, I just think they need to go with something else uh, rather than those three. And the, 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 the conundrum that they have now is that they have some really great puck-moving defensemen, but three of them are on the right side mm-hmm. uh, where Larson also plays. So, And they don't want to sit Larson, I don't think, because he's, no, don't. he's a really solid defensive defenseman. I know he's another guy, I think, who's become a lightning rod or maybe always yep. was a lightning rod player. Larson and Nurse, and I just think... You're picking on two of your best defensemen when you're picking on those two guys, in my opinion. Like, I just, I don't, I'm not in that camp. I don't know. Maybe there's some statistical analysis that I'm unaware of that indicates these are bad players or I don't put it much weight on. But what I do think is they've got to figure out a way to to get more passing, still more passing in the lineup. And you do that by getting, you're, you're passing attacking players in the lineup. So you got to go with, Bouchard, or you got to go with Cuckoo because they're just that much better moving the puck than these other guys. Yeah, well, Bouchard for sure. I'm not sure I put Cuckoo quite in that category, but I, you know, he's a nice he's sort of depth. Def- he's been a nice depth defenseman. Yeah. Uh, not not great, not terrible. Um, Bouchard very promising in his in his one game against Ottawa, um, but I mean, you can see the. Uh, you can see the offensive craftiness in Bouchard. That's that's largely or, or completely lacking on a number of other defensemen on the team. Like he's he's got a plan of how to actually attack from the back end, and he was involved in uh, in two other goals in the, in his first game, one way or another. And uh, you can you can see the promise there. And as you say, the the trick is how do you get him in there? Right? Is is uh, uh, when you have Barry, Bear, uh, and Larson that are sort of your, your returning veterans. And right on the day the order signed Tyson Barry, uh, the thought was, well, he's probably blocking Evan Bouchard's progress, but at least it's only a one-year contract. And let's see where we are in, you know, uh, a season from now. And Tyson Barry, I mean, here's a guy to talk about. 12 games, one goal, eight assists, nine points. That's pretty nice. Minus five, though. And uh, he's got uh, uh, four of his points on the power play. And he's, the power play is starting to come around. And Barry's start, starting to play a more active role. Uh, been more involved in the offense in the, 
uh, in the last little while than at first. He was he was really uh, struggling to get his bearings. It looked like to me. So, what what do you think of Tyson Berry's play at this stage? Bruce, he's been weak uh, defensively at even strength. Like he 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 leaks a lot of grade A chances against is is what I'm seeing. But he's getting a little. He's settling down and playing better on the attack and a little better maybe in his own zone. So. Um, I worry against some really good teams that he's going to be exposed defensively. So this is an interesting issue, you know, going forward about what they're going to do with him. If I had to, they have so many options now. They're going to have to make a choice, I think, on defense and wave one of these guys. Um, But, you know, so if I, I'm going to, I'm going to challenge you to come up with your top six, what would they be? So I, I would go with, let me see here. If you went with, let's say you go with Nurse and Bear, mm-hmm. Nurse and Bear as your top pairing, because I'm not, I'm not convinced that that Barry can against a good team will will hang in there on defense on your top pairing. I think it's more likely Bear will. So I'm going to go with Nurse and Bear. Then I'm going to go with Bouchard and Larson, um, and um, two righties, eh? Yeah, two righties moving Bouchard over probably. Um, cause he's more, he's more mobile. He's better with the puck. He, he reads the game better. I think he could probably make that adjustment. And then I'd go with Jones and Barry as my third pairing. So an attacking third pairing of defensemen, maybe Logason or maybe Cuckoo instead of Jones. But uh, I would go, I think Jones is the best player of those three players. And I think, I don't think he's been any worse than Ethan Bear. Uh, Ethan Bear's had his struggles this year too. So, uh, so has Caleb Jones. They both have struggled. Um, but I saw Jones coming on a little bit and, um, you know, he's a bit under the microscope because he's, you know, has made some mistakes, but, um, so that's what I would do. That that would be it. Mm. So I'm going to go with nurse bear, Bouchard, Larson, and, um, uh, Jones Barry as my three pairings. Yeah. Well, we talked about waving defensemen before and, and, uh, mistakenly, uh, I said that they could waive Chris Russell no problem and uh, there would be no yeah. problem in him clearing waivers the problem is that they can't put him on waivers because there's still a no move clause in the fourth year of his four year contract where Peter Shirley gave the fourth year clearly he, he tacked on a fourth year at a lower pay rate with a bonus and stuff that made him more tradable but he didn't do a damn thing about the no movement clause. He's got he has a restricted no trade clause, but they cannot put him on. They cannot send him to the minors, and that's just another. I'd have to say outright mistake by Peter Shirelli to not modify that contract. You know, I, I mean, this is a 33 year old defenseman now, and it was not like he was a stud number one blue liner at any time for any team. That uh, you would need to put that kind of protection in. Uh, four years in advance, but because of that, they don't have the option of slipping him to the taxi squad the way they can all these forwards that they've successfully waived, uh, just because of that stupid clause that's on, that's on his contract. So anyway, I think you and I probably both agree that uh, Chris Russell's not in the top six. Uh, if if you had to pick six to go with for a specific game, that. Uh, he wouldn't be the first choice. Like he, he's the choice when you need to stabilize things, when you need to change things up, you know what you got in Chris Russell and he'll come in and he'll give you what he's got. And he'll, uh, 
um, help th calm things down defensively and not contribute a whole lot offensively. And we, this is a Chris Russell we know and love for the last five years now as a, as an Oiler. Top six, uh, I I'm I'm thinking Bouchard's still on the outside looking in, but he's close. And I think okay. you go with the three veteran righties, and I think you go with uh, uh, the, uh, I mean, uh, Curly Nurse is, is uh, number one. Um, and then it's it's coming up with, uh, do, do you like um, uh, Jones, Cuckoo? Is, uh, I think the team secretly loves William Lagason, and I think he's coming on. I can see on. why. He's, I can yeah. see why. He's coming on. Yeah, I heard Jason Strudwick talking about Laguson the other day, and he not secretly loves William Laguson. He was uh, he was giving him the rave review for his penalty killing, and just for his positioning and his you know his willingness and ability to join the battle and win the battles. And I think that's what they like about him. And I I, I kind of see him as next year's Adam Larson, yeah, but cheaper. Younger yeah. and cheaper, but he, you know, he, he's on the opposite side as Adam Larson. Right now, they're actually playing them together, uh, but I think they, there's things in common between those players. And if you can find an Adam Larson that doesn't cost you over four million dollars a year uh, to do some of those same uh, things, then uh, maybe that's a place where the team can realize some economy. So I think that's why they've been very reluctant to waive this player because uh, they do think uh, other teams probably have seen him. One other team out there has probably seen enough that would put in a claim. It's such a cheap player that's still on a two-way contract, but uh, uh, he's close. But uh, he's uh, so having nine defense. I mean, it's astonishing how all of these guys are, are somehow getting in the lineup. In fact, the uh, the Oilers have used 26 skaters so far this year. Uh, the most in the Canadian division and the most by a good margin compared to some of them. Calgary's only used 19, Montreal only 20. Every player on Edmonton's taxi squad, six of them, have all played NHL games so far this year. And the way it's worked, of course, the forwards are the ones on the taxi squad while they keep eight or even nine defensemen on the active roster. But, that, you know, that's a lot of spare defensemen too. And uh, Tippett's been working them in. And one thing I expect probably to see in the in the next while is uh, as a more constant game to game lineup, but uh, that's that's just a guess on my part that they'll they'll start to sort of narrow down on who is the sort of the main team and who the who the subs are, and they they've been working on that and trying to work that out through the first twelve games. They listen. I I th we we agree that Russell is the weakest of the nine defensemen that, that we're talking about here. And I don't, I, I don't, th I, you know, I think that's probably the consensus among Oiler fans. If we're saying that, cause we, we've always been on kind of team Russell to some extent. So if we're saying it, you know, that's, that's the consensus. The, the, the question is they're going to have, they can't get rid of Russell though. Like he's on the team and I think he still can, can play games. He's still a useful player, especially mm -hmm. against tough teams. So here's what I think it's, it's, they have to decide who do they want. Uh, Jones, Lagesson, and Cuckoo, and they've got to put one of them on waivers, I think, if you're going to protect that third goalie. Now, maybe they're not going to go that route, but... Apparently, they're, they're not. They're trying to, but, yeah, apparently they're not. But I, I, I think at this point, Bruce, you know, I, I think they can... We don't have to weigh in because they don't have to make that decision for a week or so. 
But I think Bouchard should play. I think he's ready for the NHL. I think he's a really good hockey player, and they could use his offense. I think this is how you win Stanley Cups with with exceptional hockey players. I think Evan Bouchard has a chance to be an exceptional NHL hockey player, and the, his his path to the NHL should not be blocked by Slater Cuckoo and William Loggison, or um, Caleb Jones even, or Ethan Barry even. Like they need to play Evan Bouchard is, is uh, I, I want to see them play him until he shows that he doesn't belong. Cause I think he he's ready. So I just think they have to decide, they're going to have to decide. And you know, if, if, if you have both, let's say, you, let's say it's Cuckoo that goes and you have still mm-hmm. have Logason and Jones. Well, against the, the rugged teams, you put in Logason and against other teams, you play Jones, like whatever you need for that game, you, you've got that, you've got that defenseman or, or, I guess under this circumstance, you could even figure out a way to, you know, to play both. Like getting Bouchard in the lineup is problematic because he'd have to play the other side. So this isn't an easy thing to to sort out. Maybe injury is going to sort this out in the next week, as often is the case. But I think for me right now, I'm leaning towards Cuckoo being the odd man out. Um, I've liked his his play a lot. Mm -hmm. But I still think Jones is a better overall He's got a higher ceiling. And I, I've seen enough of William Loggison now to be really comfortable with him as, as taking Chris Russell's spot as your designated, you know, defensive defenseman on the team. So, but overall, Bruce, they're in a good position. It's kind of tricky for them to handle it, but it's it's almost, you know, and, and they don't, they, but as you say, Bruce, the one question you had was they, do they have a top four? Do they have right. a really solid top four? Evan Bouchard is, is, Maybe not the answer this year, but soon right. for your top four. He's your bet. He and Broberry are your best bet. So Shard's yep. here. He looked great in that first game. Keep playing him. Let's keep playing him. See what we got. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I kind of argue he should be in there somewhere. The tr- the tr- I'm I'm reluctant to use righty righty pairings because I don't think any of the righties has played the left side or any experience playing the left side. And it's just a, a, one of the laws of hockey. There's more lefties than righties. And on the back end, uh, or you only have the, t- the two choices, right or left, there's no center. Uh, almost every left-hand defenseman worth his salt. That's been a good player coming up through this uh, minor hockey and minor leagues and so on. They've all had teams that have more lefties than righties. And they've all said, that, well, you're our best defenseman. You you move over and play the right side. And they've, they've all got it sort of somewhere in their background. They play uh, on their offside. Whereas righties uh, are gold. And a coach gets a good righty and he sticks them on, on right defense. And the only reason to move them over if he actually has a surplus of more righties than lefties. And you just don't see it very often. I think the last time I can remember the Oilers running for any length of time, two righties on the same pairing was Steve Steos and Jason Smith in uh, 06 when they had uh, they put uh, Chris Pronger and Yaroslav Spatrick together for a while on the first pairing, and then they had a shutdown pairing of Smith and Steos, and they had Matt Green on the third pairing. They actually had three right shot defensemen. Well, racking my brain, I can't remember a time they had four. Right. Yeah, but it's not because it's necessarily a terrible idea. It's just because right right shot players are less common, and it's mm-hmm. and it's funny because look at how many of the lefties can play can hang in there on righty. There's Cuckoo, well, Jones, mm-hmm. Russell, yeah, um, and and Logason have all played mm-hmm. on the right yep. side. So um, you're right. It is much more common to get that experience. Could Bear or Bouchard do it? 
Um, and do you get a net gain if you do that? Well, if Evan Bouchard steps up, I think you do. So I, I just, you know, I'm okay with the 7D for now, though. I think that's a, with this team, maybe that's the answer, like going forward. Like, the, not saying it isn't. Um, and and you spot um, the other guys in and out, depending on what you need. So we'll see. It's unusual to go with seven defensemen, but we're seeing it more in this year's NHL. It's much more common this year than it's ever been in the past with a lot of teams. So um, maybe that's the way you go. Tampa did a lot in the playoffs, and they won the Stanley Cup. So there you go. There's always there's always imitators of the of what works. Uh, yesterday, apparently in practice, um, uh, Tippett did go a little bit with uh, Bear and Bouchard as a pairing, with uh, Bouchard on the left side. And that may may be an indicator that he'll go with seven defensemen uh, in the next game, but with four righties, as opposed to last game where Bear was out. And so they only had the three righties and they all played pretty much a regular shift. Well, if they go with seven and they cycle a little bit, they're going to have to use two righties together at some point. And Bear and Bouchard were getting that trial. And like I say, Bouchard, uh, with his one game of, uh, NHL this year in eight games in his career experience, he was the guy being asked to make the switch, but maybe he's the guy that's just most suited to it because of his skill set. Yeah, I think it's the, like they, they know, I think they have a good sense of what Lagasse can do now or a better sense. Of, they have a good sense of what Cuckoo can do. So they just need to have it and they have a sense of what Caleb Jones can do. They just need to know what Bouchard can do and then they can make a decision. Maybe he's not ready and then you send him to the HL for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. But I think they need to, in the next couple of weeks, decide that, and um, and then make it and and go from there. The final category, Bruce, we've already dealt with a little bit is goalie. Koskinen has been their pretty much their only goalie, and he has been okay-ish. He hasn't let in too many of the absolute stinker goals, you know, those backbreakers. But he hasn't come up with enough enough big saves, although he did on Mitch Marner. So his his overall save percentage is down from I think what nine seventeen to eight ninety seven something yeah. like that is that what we're so and I think so that's indicative of a goalie who is well it could be a goalie who's really sucking or it could be a goalie who's getting a lot of tough shots and isn't saving enough of them and that's what I would say with Koskinen that he's he's been he's been pretty good but not but too many nights um, he's been the second best goalie on the ice. And uh, that may speak to the level of talent among the goalies in the Canadian division. Uh, I always call it the Canadian division, not the North division, Um, because that's what it is. The Scotia North division. uh, I guess. (laughs) Anyway, they got to make their money somehow. Uh, So, yeah, he's been. So I just like to see him be the best goalie on the, the ice at least half the time. And I think if he's the best goalie on the ice half the time, the Oilers will win you know, um, six out of 10, six out of 10 games. I think the difference in a save percentage, if if you uh, dug down, would be mostly on the penalty kill, where last year uh, both he and Mike Smith were over 900 on the year, and clearly nowhere close to that with the uh, penalty kill uh, clearance rate that, as far as it's been this year. Yeah. Uh, uh, Koskinen had... Uh, not saying I'm blaming him on those uh, power play goals against, but uh, last year their numbers were exceptional in that department. The goalies were, they were both in the top six in the NHL. And this year, not so much. Uh, 
the question now is Mike Smith, they, obviously he's ready in the sense that they put the third goalie on waivers today in order to make uh, make room for Mike Smith to come on board. But how ready is he at age 38 uh, coming off an injury now and having played sort of 26 serious minutes of hockey in the last year? Uh, you know, he's got to... Uh, um, uh, he's got, you know, he's got to to uh, uh, find that level and find it pretty fast of being at least a competent number mm-hmm. two. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we do know a few things about Mike Smith. We know he's a competitive son of a gun, and uh, that he'll he'll not even think of himself as a number two, but as a guy battling for number one. And uh, I I see value in Mike Smith as a as a guy who. Um, uh, who can help organize the defense a little bit. He's more of a take-charge uh, guy back there, and, and uh, the team seems to respond to the guy. I mean, we had some stats last year that were a little eye-popping of how bit better the team played in front of him, and some might write that off to just he was lucky, but uh, I think part of that has to has to go to the uh, – no, to the netminder's uh, approach to the game and his, you know, his leadership role that he's clearly taken on the team. I think they've missed him, frankly. Um, and, I mean, have, at least having that second guy that they could have thrown in there for even, you know, three games out of the 12, uh, I think they would have been better off, better served by that. And now we're going to find out because he's probably going to play at least three games in the next 12. And we'll see if he's ready. But uh, uh, that's a key. If he can come in at... Um, uh, you know, on top of his game, wherever it is at age 38, uh, I think it may, will will make the orders that um, uh, it'll change him and hopefully change him for the better. I do understand that uh, in preparation for the Calgary game that he was doing extra work on the speed bag yesterday, so he should be good to go. <laughs> Bruce, he was, he's a hot and cold goalie, and he's been increasingly yeah. hot and cold the last few years, and I think it's probably based on age and injury. Like, I think he's he's gone through spells where he's been nicked up, and he's had subpar months at a time. He survived, like, six weeks of just atrocious play last year, which yep. would have driven many goalies out of the NHL at his age, but, you know, they've got a sweet tooth for Mike Smith. Dave Tippett does. He's like Josh, the Josh Archibald of goalies. Tippett, all the coaches fall in love with certain players, right? And I think mm-hmm. we can see this with Tippett, with Archibald, uh, who's who's and and with Smith. So, um, yeah, if he's the Mike Smith, if he's healthy, uh, he can be a good goalie. We've seen that, and um, hopefully he's healthy and and good to go, because uh, they could really use him. You know, the, the the thing that pops into my head with Mike Smith is is the bad, ugly goal against. Maybe it's because my last big impression of him is the first game of the playoffs against Chicago, where he was, oh God, he just, yeah. So Mike Smith can make, let in some really stinker goals. And uh, I don't think he's as good, good a goalie as Koskinen, but he can be for stretches of time as good as Koskinen. Um, So we'll see. Uh, this was always a risky signing, I think. It wasn't one that, that most fans were in love with uh, at the time. Might have been the best option, maybe not. So um, uh, I'm not thrilled with the Oilers goaltending, but it should be good enough to get them into the playoffs at this point is my final assessment. 
Any final thoughts, Bruce? Uh, only that all, everything that we're looking at, scoring chances, uh, goals against average, save percentage, uh, is uh, a product in part of the orders playing in the highest scoring division in the NHL and only playing games within that division. We don't have any interlocking play to sort of balance things out around the league. Uh, I did a post yesterday and I just looked at the results of each of the four divisions through the first uh, three plus weeks of the season. Still a fairly small sample, uh, but the Canadian uh, North Division, Scotia North Division, has, has produced over one goal per game more than the three American divisions have on average, at least uh, in regulation time, uh, comparing apples to apples. Uh, 19% higher goals scored in the Canadian division than than uh, stateside, and so that you know that's going to impact your your team defense to some extent. There, there's no real good shutdown teams in in uh, Canada, uh, but there job. sure is a lot of offensive talent, and uh, we've got uh, uh, a lot of exciting hockey to look forward to. I think. Yeah. And you know we made you made we were talking earlier about Ottawa. We have two games coming up against Ottawa back to back, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, the Oilers kind of they they got it done. They got the two points, and and you you kind of you, you hope and expect that. But Montreal last night lost to Ottawa, and uh, Montreal I saw outshot them badly. So I'm and guessing maybe that they probably had more scoring chances. But you can lose like Ottawa is going to steal some points. Let's just hope that it's not generally. Speaking against the Edmonton Oilers, I was hoping that the Oilers would win three out of four games against Ottawa. So they're well on their way to doing that, but they still have to accomplish that. And um, four out of four would be even better, obviously. But uh, tonight's game against Calgary is going to be fascinating because we haven't, or tomorrow night's game against Calgary, because we haven't seen these two teams and how they match up this year. Mm -hmm. And um, the Oilers really matched up poorly against the Montreal Canadiens. And I fear that we might see something a little similar dynamic against the Calgary Flames. Or maybe not. We'll see. So uh, that story's yet to be told. Yeah, they they basically, they, they swept Ottawa, got swept by Montreal, and every other team has been all splits. And Calgary's in that mushy middle, too, where, you know, I think the expected outcome of any two games against Calgary would be one and one. But uh, sure would be nice to get that first one in uh, in Cowtown tomorrow. And just to prove anything's possible, Ottawa beat Montreal, first place Montreal, last night in Montreal, just to end their 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 dismal losing streak. So, you know, in any given game, you get the bounces, you know, anything can happen. And uh, Ottawa winning in Montreal, I think, proves that. Uh, so it's nice that they broke out of their slump in the one game they weren't playing the Oilers. So. <laughs> yeah. The, so the NHL teams are so close, right? The, there's they're so close now the difference yeah. is ottawa is about a goal worse every game at least yeah. a goal worse so so they're they're favored to lose every game but the other teams are like 0.01 or yeah, 0.02 so or 0.03 goals apart from each other right like that's the difference and even the montreal canadians are a better team but they're not that much better than than the like they're right now a better team we'll see where they are at the end of the year but they're not that much better than the other teams they're just like you know any of the other teams could easily beat them on a given night if they get the bounces and depending on goaltending and, and, and these are huge factors every single game. So yeah, the orders and the, the orders and the flames are probably like, you know, it's what do they call the betters call them pick them. Like it's almost like 
who knows? It's a flip. It's a coin flip. So we'll find out. Alrighty. Thanks for talking tonight, today, Bruce, this morning. Yeah. I should say. yeah. Nice to sort of take a step back. We've been doing game by game by game by game. Of course, every other day, a podcast. And this is the first sort of time we've had in the whole season to t- take a breathe and, and take a step back and sort of look at the overall situation. So nice to uh, chat about that. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.